In this week's In-Ear Insights, we're talking about SEO, search engine optimization, and ways to make uh, your efforts more productive. And the first place we want to start is talking about what happens when you start getting what we call diminishing returns, when you get less and less juice for the squeeze out of your SEO efforts. So, Katie, anytime you're dealing with uh, diminishing returns, anytime you're dealing with uh, that reduction in effectiveness over time, it may be quick, it may be gradual, What's the first thing that you think about in, in how to get out of that sort of slow decline? I always kind of start to look at the keyword list. Like, what am I trying to be known for? Um, and that's one of the challenges that we're running into now, Chris, is that I personally feel like we've exhausted our keyword list and we've added to our keyword list. We've amended our keyword list. We've redone our keyword list and the good news bad news is we're creating a lot of content so we're trying we're trying to exhaust all those keywords but then the downside is we're exhausting all of those keywords and so i find myself going back and repeating keywords and that's where i start to get nervous of am i undoing the work i did for one post by writing about the same keyword in another post, and then they start to compete against each other. So that's where I start to look at what the heck are we doing? Like what, how do we stop cannibalizing our own content to, I don't know, find new ways to write about the same topics. So it just, it's, I'm sort of at a loss. Okay. One of the things that I was thinking about actually over the weekend because, you know, for folks who've not been watching the show for a while, we typically plan our, our content, um, you know, either the week before or sometimes several weeks before. And one thing I was mulling over over the weekend is the, the goal is to get more organic search traffic, right? That's, that's what we want. And, and ideally that then goes on to convert. <clears throat> but keywords and content on site are sort of the, the foundational layer in the sense of like, you have to have content. <laughs> otherwise you're sending people to your site for no reason but what drives search um more often than not when you when you do an assessment of all the different variables that are available to you is is inbound links it's it's going out and getting those links so i i guess the question i would have is is it a keyword problem like is it a, is it functionally a content problem that we have or is it that we've squeezed as much juice as we can out of the content we have. And now um, maybe that content gets put in maintenance mode, like in sort of recycling and refreshing it over time. And we change our efforts toward, to be focused more towards getting, uh, acquiring more links and, and more attention on our content. Well, it, it, I mean, it sounds a little bit like horse and cart or chicken and egg, you know, without the quality content, no one is going to link back to it. And without people linking back to it, it's going to be harder to get the content seen. And so you kind of have to do both. And so I would say it's not one or the other. It's a combination of the two. Like right now, we don't have the structure to be pitching out our content constantly. We're more so hopeful that people will see it, find value in it and pick it up. So that is, you know, one challenge is we are not actively pitching out our content to get those uh, links back to our website. But then back to your question about, uh, you know, just constantly refreshing one piece of content. So let's say 
you know, we have a piece of content on SEO that does really well. Are you saying that the that what we should be doing is only focusing on that one piece of content and refreshing it every week, every month, or should we be writing supplementary pieces of content around that one piece of content? The generally accepted best practice is to have a piece of pillar content that, yeah, you do you know, refresh maybe once a quarter. You, you add new data, you refresh data, you, you, you know, brush it up. Uh, at a minimum, you change the publish date. And then from that pillar, sort of a hub and spoke model where you have individual pieces that branch off of it. Uh, so if we had SEO as, you know, there's, there's one post we had about SEO that did really well. Maybe we would then link up internally. Um, you know, here's a podcast episode on that. Here's a live stream episode on that and things like that. And, and sort of give, create a, a topic cluster essentially around that thing, but everything with, with the effort to the extent that, you know, if you had a budget of, a hundred hours a month, seventy of those hours would be on on the pillar content on on keeping it up to date. Um, Backlinko did a a study on this. Actually, they took an entire year off of their blog. Um, they they didn't write a single new blog post. Instead, they they had twenty six posts that they constantly refreshed every two weeks. And they interestingly saw more traction out of that um, in terms of, of obtaining search traffic than they did creating new content. Now they've, they've since gone on to, you know, to, to make that more balanced, but there is something to be said for, like you said, if you, there's a piece that does really well, make it do even better. So <clears throat> I have a couple of questions. Uh, so can you define um, pillar content, you know, cause I know in word, like, so we run our, our site through WordPress and you can mark certain pieces as pillar content. So that's one question. The other question I have for you is, you know, what is it that you're updating every two weeks? Is it new data, new links, you know, just, you know, this is sort of, this reminds me of the old uh, trick when you were looking for a job and monster.com was, you know, sort of the search engine for um, job applicants the trick was that you would go in and literally change like a period or a space. And then your resume would show up at the top as something fresh and brand new again, every single day. Yeah. Real estate listings do the same thing. Um, real realtors will do that. Um, so pillar contents, what you decide it is. Um, if we think back to sort of the YouTube hero hub help model, right. Of the three types of content. Um, it's essentially looking at all of your help content, looking at what's working really well, and maybe promoting that up to, to, to hub content to say, okay, we're, now we're going to put in some infographics. We, we are going to change the data. We're going to make the post you know, much longer, more in-depth. Um, are there aspects of it that <clears throat> you know, maybe we didn't dig into as much? Uh, a real simple example is um, anytime we're dealing with like, questions and answers and stuff, there's an opportunity usually to expand on that. Um, like when I do an interview for um, you know, somebody else's podcast, I'll think of something like it, it's kind of like having a, an impaired sense of humor. Like you think of something funny to say six minutes after <laughs> the moment has passed. <laughs> it, it's kind of the same thing with content marketing where you say, oh, I should have written about this. Or I should have talked about that. And then you say, oh, instead of just you know, lamenting it, you say, oh, well, actually, <clears throat> I'm going to dig into that and, and, and maybe add that into the pillar content. 
thing. Like, you know, there's a, if we had a long post talking about, you know, modern SEO and we were talking about, say, topic modeling, I go, oh, you know, I forgot to mention academic papers. It almost like it's almost like software development where, where that thought would go into the backlog. And then the next time you do your scrum on that content, it goes in as a feature request. So you're just constantly rewriting the same post over and over again. You're improving, you're adding to it. So it is very much like software where you're adding new features to it. Right. Well, you could also make the argument that in software, you're removing things that aren't working. So mm -hmm. is there harm in removing content that you've written to replace it with something else? Or are you, and I think that this is where like trying to understand the rules around good SEO best practices you know, so if let's say I write a five paragraph post on SEO and then it does really well, two weeks later I go in to edit it and I decide that three of those five paragraphs, I don't like them at all. So I take them out altogether and replace them. Have I damaged my SEO? Possibly. Well, it, you've changed what Google will crawl and index. Um, but if you're focused on the topic overall and what you've added, what you've removed and added essentially is more valuable, then it should not impact that because some of the signals that Google pays attention to are things like what the user does when they leave a search listing and go to your website. Like how quickly do they come back? <clears throat> if you wrote something then the first time around, you saw that people, you know, your, your, your retention time on that piece of content was just like two seconds. Clearly that's an indicator that what you wrote was not valuable to the user, right? They, they, they got in, they read like two sentences and boom, they're gone. Um, sort of that Poco sticking effect. And um, many folks, including Google, have said, yeah, Poco sticking's bad. Um, you, you want someone to jump into your content and then like consume it. You know, if you wrote 300 words of content, most people read, um, you know, what, what's the re average reading speed? Like 200 words per minute or something around that. So it should take someone, uh, you know, 60 to 90 seconds to consume your content. If they're gone in two seconds, it didn't do its job. Um, if they're stuck around for 30 seconds, that's, that's better. And, and we know across Google's family of products that retention is important. Like YouTube even gives you examples. Like here's how, where people drop off in your video. Um, so from that perspective, creating better content is, is never the wrong answer. You may see a short-term effect as Google goes through and crawls and re-indexes that page and maybe changes you know, it, um, what it thinks that page is about. But in the long term, the, you know, the, the big picture perspective, the better content should do better for your SEO. Is there, is there a max number of pillar content pieces on your website that you should have and does google give more weight to pieces marked pillar content um google doesn't see that google doesn't understand what is or is not it just is looking based on how it interprets language you know uh, how thorough a piece is and then tries to match that up to, to query requests this is particularly true uh, ever since they, they put bert in the the mix for processing language um and there is no maximum limit to to pillar content. It, I mean, the, the any limits there are are resource limits on our part of you know how much how much time do we have to devote to to this stuff? Um, you so look then what at does the user see how do, how do, how does one know this is pillar content? 
if if it doesn't change the ranking with Google's, then what's the point of calling it pillar content? It's it's an internal designation for where we are going to spend our time, right? So if we have a, a blog post that was kind of like a funny one-off, you know, maybe it was like a you know John's yacht rock li- you know playlist we've put up mm-hmm. as a blog post, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time, you know, tuning that up and things like that to where you started originally, looking at individual content traffic, right? The pieces of content that already get decent traffic, those are the ones that should be pillar content candidates to say, okay, this is doing well in organic search. We're getting organic search traffic to this post. Now, can we get even more? Um, What things can we add? And that's where you would almost look at, you know, some of your things like search console and stuff to say, okay, well, how can we get more traffic to this content that we know is already doing well? What are the related terms and topics and ideas that should be the worthy questions that somebody would still have after reading our content go oh you know how can we add more to that so let's say seo a post on seo is our piece of pillar content and the keyword that we've optimized for is seo is it a bad idea to write other pieces of content about SEO as well that are also optimized for the same keyword? Like how many times should you be optimizing for the same keyword? And is that a bad idea? Because that's sort of where we started was, I feel like we've exhausted our keyword list. So what do I do? Right. The, the, the answer, the generally accepted practice for that is to have a focus a page that's focused um, so that you have, you know, that page is about that term. Mm-hmm. And then you can have subsequent pages that are breakdowns of that term. So you have a, p- a pillar page about SEO, and then you have a, a secondary page talking about, you know, optimizing for, you know, YouTube or, you know, SEO for YouTube or something like that, or, you know, understanding natural language processing in SEO, where it would, it would still be related to that main term, but you also want to do some internal linking to make sure that when you're, you know, talk about SEO, you're focusing your, your link traffic back to your pillar content. That's from a, 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 an organizational structure inside the site. So what you're saying is I shouldn't have five posts that all are trying to optimize for the keyword SEO. That's right. You have one piece of, of pillar content. That's the hub. And then the spokes are the sub, you know, the sub keywords under that. So how do you find those sub keywords? You know, that's where it starts to get uh, that's where more work has to be done for a content marketing team of, okay, we have our list of 100 keywords. How do we know what's related? How do we know what makes sense for us to rank for? And that is where market research and domain expertise will fill that gap, right? If you understand and you know SEO very well, then you should be able to say, okay, I'm, I know that when someone's talking about this, it means they're also probably going to be having questions about this. So your domain expertise should fill in a lot of those gaps. And then the other part is market research. Um, asking people, like, in, you know, for example, if, if you wanted to create some uh, spoke content off of an SEO pillar piece, you might put a question in our free Slack group, Analytics for Marketers, and say, hey, folks, what questions do you have about SEO? And then those sub-questions um, either would inform the pillar content or create spoke content so let's say i've asked our community what questions you have about seo and so then i create subsequent blog posts uh about 
you know, answering those questions. But the keywords or the phrases that I'm optimizing for have almost no search volume. Like that's sort of where I feel like marketers, content marketers try start to hit a wall of, sure, I could write, you know, 20 different related posts about this thing, but there's no keywords that get a lot of traffic. So, so am I create, am I creating a new lane? Am I like, so what, I guess that's sort of where I get stuck is how do you move forward? I mean, the short answer to that is that every SEO tool out there that pulls keyword volume has limitations um, in terms of how much data it can see. Uh, And it's actually gotten worse over the years um, rather than better because the number of third-party data sources these tools can pull from uh, keeps getting shorter and shorter. So the, the short answer is you put up some of that content and then you check in Search Console and see are you getting any traction? Are you getting any traffic? So just as a real quick example, when we look at our own uh, SEO report here, you'll note that this, there's one post in here, you know, disadvantages of predictive analytics that shows up a few times. These are, you know, limitations of predictive analytics is not a hot term, right? But yet we're still getting some traffic for it. And so this post would be a good, a potential candidate for pillar content, right? Uh, and we'd want to look at that page and go, are we, do, do we... St- have enough disadvantages lifted out you know do, are we thorough um and i think you know semantically there's a difference between disadvantages of predictive analytics and limitations like they're 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 two separate things so that limitations one could be a separate sub post you know it could be a spoke off of the main or it could be incorporated into the pillar content itself you know talking about what's the difference between a p- predictive analytics disadvantages and the, and the mathematical limitations of it um that would be an example of how you would expand this out. Um, but it, it's also an example where you have to have the subject matter expertise to pull that off. So then if I decide to add in the limitations to the disadvantages post, but I'm already trying to optimize for the keyword phrase disadvantages of predictive analytics, do I add in limitations of predictive analytics as a second keyword phrase to be optimizing for? Because to me, it sounds like what we've been talking about is that would become a separate post with its own keyword to be optimized for that is the back to the first post. Yeah. In this case, I would say limitations of predictive analytics should be its own piece of content um, and, and, and keep the disadvantages post very clean in terms of like here are you know the disadvantages of predictive analytics um you know it's it's always reverse facing it's never forward looking you're not going to see anything novel and so on and so forth and the limitations would be things like you know anomalies trend detection breakouts and the mathematics of it Um, and it might be interesting because then over time you would see okay well maybe the limitations post starts to do better maybe you know volume for that increases over time and that's when you can start you know poking around going huh there's interesting things happening uh, in that space, maybe it's something that we need to pay attention to. Um, that's a whole other topic about using your content marketing as an early warning system. But in terms of our SEO thing, we would take that disadvantages post, focus in on it every quarter. Maybe can we, you know, if I were to pull up that post and look at it, and in fact, let's do that. Let's pull up that post and look at it because um, it's been a little while since we've looked at it. Oops, that's not what I want to. I want to. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> I think I have some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but then looking at that content and going, okay, well, what what do we have in that post that we can uh, improve? Um, you know, what what's what are some things that disadvantage we didn't mention? And maybe even put together an editorial calendar over time to say, like, over the next. Uh, quarter here's two more things we're going to focus on over the next quarter here's another thing we're going to focus on etc mm -hmm. no and that makes sense and i think that that's where i hate to use this phrase but it's appropriate here thinking outside of the box of the standard checklist of what to do for content marketing uh is necessary so we've talked about a few different tactics outside of just refreshing your keyword list that you can do to work with your existing content. And I think that that's, I think that that's one of the hurdles that content marketers, myself included, need to get past is you don't have to keep creating fresh brand new content in order to have your content marketing be effective. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. The, the sort of the content treadmill sort of recycling of content, something that we've talked about for eight or nine years now. Mm -hmm. And and putting your content on that treadmill is an important thing to to be. It's part of your strategy. It's it's not everything um, because you do want to you know have new stuff as new stuff is warranted. But if you've got really great content that's doing well, okay already, maybe improve on it because one of the things that seems to be more and more true as more as algorithms get more and more complicated and more sophisticated is that we will typically have more success doubling down on what's working rather than necessarily trying to create something uh, from you know new whole cloth mm -hmm. well it's you know you could make the, you could draw the parallel to you know customer retention so it's less expensive and less energy to retain a current customer and get them to sign up for more services versus attracting a net new customer and educating them on the services that you do. So it sounds like a similar mentality could be applied to content marketing. Exactly. I think it's a great analogy because <clears throat> you know what's working already. Mm -hmm. And one of the advantages of recycling content is all of the link building that's already been done on that content will continue to persist um, mm -hmm. as you improve it, right? So you're not putting up something new that need, you then need to go and pitch out new links for. If you've got something that's got a good number of links already, you can continue to improve on, the, on that. And as the content gets better, probably more people will, will link to it. Makes sense. Makes sense. So I have my work cut out for me. We all do. We we all have our work cut out for us. So I uh, immediately after uh, this episode wraps, I'm going to go uh, open a support ticket and figure out what's up with our website. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, there's that. I meant just in, for SEO in general. But yes, oh, we yeah. also need to make find out why our site is down. Exactly. Um, if you've got some thoughts or questions about how you're approaching your SEO strategy and you want to chat about it, pop on over to our free Slack group. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over 2,500 other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single week. And wherever it is you watch or listen to the show, if there's a platform you'd rather have it on, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast, where you can uh, find us on pretty much every platform that offers podcasts. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank <laughs> you.